And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? it's that time of the day on your side of the world thank you for joining us here at his hard line i am jason your co-host with god and jesus christ at my side because they are the host with the most they are the ones in charge they are the ones that are in the captain's chair they're at the wheel and therefore they are steering the ship through these crazy waters that we call life so welcome to his hard line for episode 523 we'll be doing a reading out of genesis 41 with a little summary and i maybe if there's a little time permitting i might do an audio uh, cut or two um the reason today is an early show is today is tuesday um that uh, that group i was telling you about that i was going to do a recording session in um my my buddy aaron who has a group it's called line in the sand and it's a group where men get together um they read this book it's called uh at the altar of sexual idolatry um, so it's kind of like a book, a book club in a way, but also it's a ministry to help men, um, you know, overcome and beat the struggles and the snares of pornography, which is obviously a, it's a tool that Satan uses to, um, uh, not only destroy the man internally and out, but also uses it as a tool to destroy the family. And so, um, I'm not able to make it every other week because he does it every other Tuesday. Today happens to be that other Tuesday. Um, I decided to go today because I really enjoy the group. I actually enjoy and uh, find a lot of value in what he's doing. And, um, you know, and he felt like I would actually be able to contribute quite a bit kind of in my past experience and struggles and how I've overcome it and to help give these men hope and, you know, you know, have well basically another voice in prayer you know because the more that we can have in this group to pray for some of the men that are struggling um you know the better uh it's like a support group for men that are really really you know struggling with this and i just feel like i have a lot to contribute uh to some form of fashion here um and if nothing else too it is really good fellowship so anyway that's why i'm doing the show early today so it is tuesday april 25th 2023 i did not forget the date today and we're going to do a little quick uh disclaimer real quick and then we'll get right into the reading 
So remember, as I always state periodically on this show, I am not a doctor. I don't wear a white coat or play one on TV. I'm certainly not a financial advisor. I'm not a pastor, priest, deacon, or a biblical scholar. I'm not a bar lawyer, and I do not give out legal advice. And I am also not the official face or voice of the National State or County Assembly. Additionally, I do not advocate for violence. I am my own man, and the opinions, thoughts, and statements are of my own unless I reference other material, which today I'm referencing out of BibleRef.com, and I'll be doing a reading out of BibleGateway.com. So uh, just quick housekeeping. Again, don't forget, I do have a website, www.hishardline.com. You could find some key podcasts over there. Um that's that's related to the assembly and you know a separate link over there called national assembly um there's also another tab over there called notices it's something that i will post periodically different updates with what's going on in the assembly or just things in general um i will it will not be a continual you know um notice type of blog format where you can like scroll down to different dates on you know and and see what i've posted what when It'll be a notice that will stay up for a while until something new comes up, and then I'll delete whatever was there, and then a new one will go up. So it's kind of like a an update, you know, an updated kind of like community board, if you will. All right, a his hardline community board, if you will. That's pretty much what that's for. Um, I'm trying to be a little bit more active and keeping up the website a little bit more, um, just updated in general. Okay, so anyway. Let's get right into the reading, shall we? So again, we're going to be reading Genesis chapter 41. We're going to be reading out of the, um, what do I want to read out of today? I want to read out of the New American Bible version. Because again, I tried doing this King James reading yesterday. And, you know, I just, mm, I'm sorry to disappoint you guys. I try to go back to old school ways of doing things and the King James and the, you know, 1599 Geneva Bible, that old English, I just can't get past it, nor can I concentrate in reading, you know, and, and, you know, concentrating on what I'm reading. I, I just, I can't. So um, we're just going to stick with my favorite read, you know, Bible, which is new American Bible revised edition. Some people like the NASB or the NIV or ESV, whatever your preferred version is. I'm sure it's fairly close in, uh, you know, in translation to what I'm reading. So chapter 41, we're talking about Pharaoh's dream here. Okay. And this is a fairly longer chapter compared to the last two. This one is about double than what we've been reading. So this has 57 verses in it, starting with verse one. After a lapse of two years, Pharaoh had a dream and he was standing by the Nile when up out of the Nile came seven cows, fine looking and fat, and they grazed in the reed grass Behind them, seven other cows, poor looking and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and standing on the bank of the Nile besides the others. The poor looking gaunt cows devoured the seven fine looking fat cows. Now the Pharaoh woke up and he fell asleep again and had another dream. And he saw seven ears of grain, fat and healthy, growing on a single stalk. And behind them sprouted seven ears of grain, thin and scorched by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven fat, healthy ears, and then Pharaoh woke up, and it was a dream. Now, the next morning, his mind was so agitated, so Pharaoh had the magicians, all the magicians and the sages of Egypt, summoned and recounted his dream to them, but there was no one to interpret it for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Now, I remember my negligence. Once, when Pharaoh was angry with the servants, he put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the chief steward. Now, later, we both had dreams on the same night, and each of our dreams had its own meaning. There was a Hebrew youth with us, a slave of the chief steward, and when we told him of our dreams, he interpreted them for us and explained for us, explained each of us the meaning of his dream. Things turned out just as he told us. I was restored to my post, but my other man was impaled. But the other man was impaled. Now Pharaoh, therefore, had Joseph summoned, and they hurriedly brought him out from the dungeon. Now after he shaved and changed his clothes, he came to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh then said to Joseph, I had a dream, but there was no one to interpret it. But I hear it said of you that if he hears a dream, he can interpret it. It is not I, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God who will respond for the well-being of Pharaoh. 
Then the Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile when up from the Nile came seven cows, fat and well-formed, and they grazed in the reed grass. Behind them came seven other cows, scrawny and most ill-formed and gaunt. Never have I seen such a bad specimens as these in all the land of Egypt. The gaunt bad cows devoured the first seven fat cows, but when they had consumed them, no one could tell me, or no one could tell that they had done so because they looked so bad as before. And then I woke up. In another dream, I saw seven ears of grain, full and healthy and growing on a single stalk, and behind them sprouted seven ears of grain, shriveled and thin and scorched by the east wind, and the seven thin ears swallowed up the seven healthy ears, and I have spoken to the magicians, but there is no one to explain it to me. Now Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams have the same meaning. God has made known to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven healthy cows are seven years, and the seven healthy ears are seven years. The same in each dream. The seven thin bad cows that came up after them are seven years, and as the the seven thin ears scorched by the east wind, they are seven years of famine. Now things are just as I told Pharaoh. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Now, seven years of great abundance are now coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will rise up after them when all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. Now, when the famine is exhausted, the land, no trace of the abundance will be found in the land because of the famine that follows it, for it will be very severe. That Pharaoh had the same dream twice means that the matter has been confirmed by God and that God will soon bring it about. Therefore, let Pharaoh seek out a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Now let Pharaoh act and appoint overseers for the land to organize it during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these coming good years, gathering the grain under Pharaoh's authority for food in the cities, and they should guard it. This food will serve as a reserve for the country against the seven years of famine that will occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish in famine. Now this advice pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. Could we find another like him? Pharaoh asked his servants, a man so endowed with the Spirit of God. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you are. You shall be in charge of my household and all my people will obey your command. Only in respect to the throne will I outrank you. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, look, I put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. With that, Pharaoh took off his signet ring and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of the fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And then he had him ride in his second chariot, and they shouted a breck before him. Thus was Joseph installed over the whole land of Egypt. I am Pharaoh, he told Joseph, but without your approval, no one shall lift a hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also bestowed the name of Zephanath Paniah on Joseph, and he gave him in marriage Asenath, Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of the Heliopolis, Heliopolis. And Joseph went out over the land of Egypt, and Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, after Joseph left Pharaoh, he went throughout the land of Egypt, and during the seven years of plenty, when the land produced abundant crops, he collected all the food of of these years of plenty that the land of Egypt was enjoying and stored it in the cities, placing in each city the crops of the fields around it. Now, Joseph collected grains and, uh, uh, excuse me, Joseph collected grain like the sands of the sea, so much that at last he stopped measuring it, for it was beyond measure. Before the famine year set in, Joseph became the father of two sons. Born to him was Asenath, daughter of Potiphora, priest of Heliopolis. And Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh, meaning God has made me forget entirely my troubles and my father's house. And the second he named Ephraim, meaning God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. 
Now, when the seven years of abundance enjoyed by the land of Egypt came to an end, the seven years of famine set in, just as Joseph had said. Now, although there was famine in all other countries, food was available throughout the land of Egypt. Now, when all the land of Egypt became hungry and the people cried to Pharaoh for food, Pharaoh said to the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do whatever he tells you. When the famine had spread throughout the land, Joseph opened all the cities that had grain and rationed it to the Egyptians. And since the famine had gripped the land of Egypt, indeed, the whole world came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain, for famine had gripped the whole world. And that is the reading of um, Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 57. So, man, I'll tell you what, sounds like Joseph knew exactly what was coming. So let's look at the summary here for chapter 41 from Bible Ref. Let's see exactly kind of what's been deciphered here. So so after years, you know, after years of being in prison, Joseph is finally restored as his circumstances are dramatically reversed. Now prior to this, he had spent quite some time unjustly being jailed for something he didn't do. And of course, and he had been forgotten even by those that he helped. Now, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, experienced two troubling and prophetic dreams. Now, in the first, seven beautiful, healthy cows came up out of the Nile River to feed on grass, and then the seven famished, you know, uh, emaciated cows came up after them to devour them. And then the second dream was similar with the seven good ears of grain growing up in a single stalk, and then the seven thin, wasted, you know, wasted-looking ears grew up after them and somehow swallowed up the, you know, the healthy ears of grain. Now, ancient Egyptians placed great emphasis on dreams, and these are especially vivid. And so Pharaoh is, well, pretty much quite shaken up by these visions. And so the king calls his wise men and, you know, sages and magicians, and, and these men would have been educated in various disciplines. But some would have been priests, uh, some shamans of Egyptian religion. And despite all their efforts, none could actually tell him what the dreams meant. And this is especially strange since, you know, they could have tried to give a false answer. And many would have thought that better than telling, you know, Pharaoh, I don't know. Yet God's provision means that they can't even invent a good explanation. Now, finally, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer remembers how Joseph, the young Hebrew, accurately interpreted his dream and the baker's troubling dream in prison two years prior. And so most likely the cupbearer had not lost that history from his mind, but rather this is the first time that he felt it was to his advantage to bring it up. Now, Joseph is quickly released from prison and brought before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says he has heard the young Hebrews can interpret dreams. Now, in a bold statement, Joseph corrects the absolute ruler of Egypt, and he insists that it is God who has the knowledge. But Joseph promises to pass along the divine truth once he has heard the dreams. Now, Pharaoh's description of his dreams follows the same outline recorded earlier in the chapter. And he adds a few noteworthy details, however. Now, the second set of seven cows, which Pharaoh sees, are described here using the terms which mean evil and ugly and scrawny. Uh, Pharaoh notes that these are the most horrible-looking animals that he's ever laid eyes upon. Now, further, when, he, when the skeletal, you know, decrepit cows have eaten the healthy, fattened cows, they still look as if they were starving. And then the second set of ears, you know, the second set of ears of grain look as if they were, you know, been blasted by some sandstorm of the desert or the east wind, as we were reading. Now, Joseph explains that God, Joseph's God, is revealing what he is about to do. Now, both dreams mean the same thing, and the repetition is meant for emphasis. Now, seven years of great abundance represented by the healthy the healthy cows and grain will be followed by seven years of terrible famine represented by the sickly cows and grain and the starvation will be so severe that the good years will be quickly forgotten now in the ancient world kings were not given advice unless they asked for it and even then, their advisors needed to be careful. Now, in this situation, however, Joseph, an imprisoned slave, immediately goes for interpreting Pharaoh's dreams to give him counsel on how to run his own country. 
And so Joseph launches into a proposed plan for how Pharaoh should manage the coming crisis. Now, Joseph says Pharaoh should appoint a wise leader among with a team of overseers to take 20 percent of each crop for the next seven years to put it in you know, the storehouses in different cities. Then when the famine begins, Egypt will be provided for abundantly. Now, rather than being offended at Joseph's nerve, Pharaoh is pleased with Joseph's interpretation of his dream and his proposal for managing their, you know, prediction. And after a quick conference with his advisors, Pharaoh decides that Joseph should be appointed to prepare for and manage the coming crisis. Why? Because Pharaoh is convinced that God's spirit is in Joseph, making him the wisest man in Egypt. And no one else even comes close to demonstrating that level of divine favor. Now, he brings breathtaking power to this Hebrew slave just released from years in prison. He makes Joseph what some would call a vizier, a, a, a vizier his second in command over all of Egypt, right? And he gives Joseph his own signet ring along with fine clothes, a gold chain, right? A gold necklace and a specially designated chariot. Now, these are all symbolic of his authority. Now, in addition, Pharaoh gives to Joseph an Egyptian name and immediately marries him into a prestigious Egyptian family. Now, in a very short time, Joseph has all the authority, power, and cultural clout that he needs to act on Pharaoh's behalf to save Pharaoh's kingdom. Now, Joseph, now 30 years old, has spent most of his adult life as an Egyptian captive. Now he follows through on his plan to save the nation from disaster. And he oversees the gathering of the superabundant crops each of the first seven years. He ensures the surplus is stored in the major cities of the nation. Now, in fact, more grain is stored away than can be counted. And God, once again, demonstrates to Joseph and all who know him that the Lord is with him. Now, another blessing follows. Joseph ends up having two sons, and the names reflect Joseph's joy that God has not let his own suffering go to waste. And so the firstborn son is named Manasseh, which implies forgetting. And so in this context, it does not mean that Joseph had lost memory of his difficulty, but rather it means that his new prosperity has outweighed it. Hallelujah, right? The second son's name is Ephraim, reflects on how God has given Joseph prosperity, even in a land where he is technically still a slave. Now, after exactly the time predicted, the famine strikes. And just as Joseph said that it would, and when the people run out of grain and come to Pharaoh for help, he sends them to Joseph. Now, what happens next follows the same pattern seen elsewhere in Joseph's life. Joseph's life. He drastically improves the fortunes of his masters. He does not merely redistribute the grain, but he also uses it massively to increase Pharaoh's power and wealth. Now, for the most part, this is accomplished as Joseph sells grain both to the Egyptians and to the people of other nations from around the world who come looking for food because of the global famine. And that global disaster, coupled with Joseph's new position, lead to an amazing reunion with Joseph's family. And so over the next few chapters that we will get into leading to the end of Genesis, the same brothers who sold him as a slave will come to Egypt for help. And without even knowing it, they will encounter their once hated younger brother and he will act to save them from starvation. And talk about grace being displayed in the greatest, you know, circumstance. That's a great story. And I tell you, it, it, it's really one that's humbling too, because you know, here you got Joseph who got sold off by his older siblings who absolutely couldn't stand him, thought he was, you know, 
they thought maybe he had a vision of himself of being better than them because of his dreams that he had, right? But it turns out that his dreams that he had when he was younger are soon to come true as well. That his siblings and his family are going to come to bow down to him and, uh, and not because humbled through all of this, right? Because all he's doing is, is interpreting what God is telling him. And he's not taking advantage of the situation and using it to, you know, uh, boister his own ego or pride or status or whatever. He's just simply following what God is telling him and instructing him. And he's trying to do what he can to help the people of the earth. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a true leader. That is a true leader. He's got all the social clout and all the wealth and all the power, obviously not equal to Pharaoh, but he's one step below Pharaoh. And he's got all this going for him. And he could very well, you know, pretty much tell his family, go shove off when they come for food. But, you know, again, because he's acting accordingly and righteously on behalf of God, he doesn't do that. What we're going to come to find out is he he shows favor to his family and helps them out. It's a it's a it's a wonderful display of grace, in my opinion. And so, anyways, that is the like I said, the whole reading of Genesis forty one and the and the summary. Um, let me see what time it is, real quick. Let's see here. So we're going th- four o'clock. I got to be out of here by like quarter after five. Um, this is what I'm going to do. Cause I do want to play a couple audio pieces real quick that are kind of completely unrelated. So this will be kind of a plus plus episode, but not going too terribly, um, you know, out there. Uh, but real quick, I do want to let you guys know. So, um, three things I, I have not been able to get a hold of Mike Gill. I've sent him two emails. Now I'm not going to keep crawling up his, you know, where to try to get him on the show. Um, enough of you have listened to him in other podcasts. It'd probably be just, you know, a repeat of, you know, what he said on like 40 other podcasts. Uh, for some reason, I, like I said, we had an email correspondence. I've had 12 emails collectively between him and I going back and forth, uh, about seven of them from me, seven or eight, five or four from him. Um, I was trying to get him in the middle of this week, but uh, he, he either has a very packed mailbox or he's just not really wanting to come on the show. One of the two, I don't know. So I'm not holding my breath there. I'll maybe do one last Hail Mary email today. But after that, I'm just going to drop the whole thing. I'm just, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not pursuing somebody um, just to have them tell a story that's been told on 40 other podcasts. I just know he says that he wants the story viral. And yes, I may not be, you know, a Joe Rogan or a Bards FM or an SGT or whatever, X22. But I figure, you know what? another few hundred more people that this gets out to great. So not a big deal. Um, but what I will say is I am going to have Josh Lehman with the Missouri general general assembly on at 7 PM Eastern daylight time next week, Monday. Uh, so we're going to have a different perspective on how he, you know, elevate, uh, elevator pitches people on the assembly, how we, you know, we're going to ask him how he got involved with the assembly, what uh, burned in his soul to want to, you know, start stepping into action. And we're going to just kind of dig into that a little bit. Right. And then obviously we'll probably dig into the history of the assembly. And, you know, he's such a wealth of knowledge. He's been studying really, you know, in depth, like I have been, Um, but it's good to just hear another perspective. Right. Um, So we're going to have him on. I also emailed uh, Wisconsin Annie over there in the Wisconsin general general assembly. And I extended an invite to her and Brock who were both on the Patriots with grit podcast uh video stream so i was thinking about having them on i just got to respond to her she responded saying that she you know would be honored to be on and that they listen to the podcast for extended education i want to have more solid people within the assembly um you know discussing not not really what's going on in their assembly but just you know their own personal experiences and how they came about uh to getting actively involved and what their roles are and you know maybe some of the struggles and successes that they're experiencing right um and so i'm looking forward to having them on as well um eventually i'd like to have oscar and lisa from georgia on as well uh there's also another lady from the kentucky general general assembly megan um who does energy healing work um it'd be really great to have her on maybe discuss some things uh, you know related to that you know um there's a lot of talented and gifted people uh, that God has gifted that's in the assembly. 
And I think it'd be really good to have these people on to discuss their, um, I don't want to really say their expertise, but their, their, their skills and their education, their self-education and some of these skills and gifts that God has bestowed upon them. So I think it'd be really cool. So yeah, next week, Monday, uh, May 1st, 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, we will have Josh Lehman with the Missouri General Journal Assembly. Um, I think I'm going to call Darren maybe on my way to my meeting today, um, give him a call up and just, you know, because I've been meaning to call him. He's been, you know, I just I haven't because I've been busy, but I think it'd be good for me to discuss on their platform how we need to raise up more voices, the importance of raising more voices up on behalf of the assembly. Cause you know, you got his hard line, you got power, passion, freedom with Lena. Um, we got Kirk's law corner. You got Patriots with grit. Um, I know there's a couple assembly members out there in California that are looking at starting a podcast. I'm not sure exactly when that gets lifted off the ground, but they're looking at a studio right now to, I think rent. I don't know what's going on there, but the, the, the point that I want to make on this maybe potential show with Patriots with Grit is, you know, how we need to elevate more voices. Destry was just talking about this last night, how now that he's, you know, after he gets past his healing with his, um, you know, new teeth that he has, full, full uppers and lowers, um, he wants to start video casting. So that's going to be another outlet of education and, you know, discussion of the assembly. You know, people were asking, well, how do we, you know, is what what's out there to help fill the void? Well, there's no void that we need to fill. What we need to do is basically be an echo chamber for truth. See, the one thing that the media, the mainstream mockingbird media that's ran and operated by the CIA or has been, they're really good at peddling their propaganda and their lies and deception to try to feed a narrative to the American public to keep them controlled. Well, now they're losing control. And the people that a lot of folks followed, like Tucker Carlson and Dan Bongino, and I hate to say it, yeah, Don Lemon, all right? I hate to say it, yeah, Don Lemon may not be somebody you or I will listen to or follow, but truth be told, there's a lot of people on the left that do follow him, all right? The mainstream media is starting to lose their credibility. They're losing their power. They're losing their grips. They're losing their ratings. And quite frankly, their their stocks are tanking, all right? We, the alternative media, is the new news. And so back to elevating voices that talk, first off, predominantly raise up the word of God. That's number one. Number two, we need to discuss the importance of family and how having a strong family is key to having a strong republic in America. And then three, we need to discuss how we not only restore this republic, but how we keep this republic and how we never lose it again, because we can never go back to what we've had. Never, ever can we ever go back to that again. And so we need more people who podcast, who do video streaming and, and, and audio streaming. We need more people in the alternative side to really push out this information and this education and just, again, be an echo chamber for truth. Without an agenda, the only agenda that we would have over here is just keep America prosperous and abundant and sovereign and free. That's it. With God at the top of that throne. That's our only agenda. That's it. Now, this is something that my wife sent me yesterday. This is really interesting. Kind of on a health perspective of what to avoid. Um, talks about, uh, this is a guy by the name of Dr. Daniel Pampa. He's on TikTok. He's asking, are you feeding your children chicken fingers? You may want to watch this. So let's listen to what he says here. Uh, let me load it up real quick. This is really interesting. Stop feeding your kid chicken fingers. I heard a conversation right here and I didn't interrupt the conversation, but here's how it went. They were feeding their kids chicken fingers because they thought it was the healthy choice on the menu. You know what I think? It's one of the top five most dangerous foods for three reasons. Number one, chicken today, most toxic meat on the planet. Get organic, free-range chicken, different story. But this stuff's loaded with antibiotics, steroids, chemicals. I just Googled an article because I thought maybe I should give it to them, talking about the carcinogens and the pathogens in chicken today. You shouldn't eat it. That's number one. Number two, it's deep fried and motor oil, basically. It stays in your body for up to two years. Yeah, don't eat deep fried food. But also, number three, oh, and it sludges up the kid's cells and it causes massive dysfunction for months, if not years, and the stuff builds up in the body. Bad choice. They were better off eating the dessert. That's the truth. Third thing, 
is we get the glucose insulin spike anyway because it's deep fried and breading. Five most dangerous foods. Please share this video. Parents just don't know. Chicken fingers, it seems healthy. It's not. It's poison. Don't feed it to your kids. Spread the word. Yeah, that's uh, Niggers. that's pretty that's that's pretty gross. That is pretty pretty gross. Um everything that he and this is a doctor again a doctor by the name of dr daniel pompa p-o-m-p-a on tiktok so if you're on tiktok you can go look him up i'm not on tiktok anymore but if my wife uh sends me videos i can pretty much view it on uh you know safari um but it's not through the tiktok app so i rely on her to you know find these things that are maybe worthy of discussing that might be health related right um but yeah very very gross very very disgusting here's another one which i think is very interesting i can't remember if she sent this to me or if i found this on telegram but talking about how the english language is a prison this is very intriguing um i'm not exactly sure how true this is but it doesn't surprise me because you know the english language is really confusing especially if you're trying to learn it as a foreigner right if you're like spanish speaking naturally or you know chinese speaking English language is actually a very hard language for a lot of people that are other languages to actually comprehend. Uh, listen to this. Satan ruled the world and he had a unified language. What language would everyone speak? That's right. English. Did you know that English is a Germanically derived occult influenced language? Why do you think our language is called spelling? Other languages do not derive their vocabulary words from witchcraft terms. The words in the English language were crafted by known occultists like Sir Francis Bacon, whom you may not have heard of, but you probably heard of a secret writing group called the Spear Shakers, or should I say Shakespeare? Yeah, William Shakespeare was not a real person. And we know that because the writing styles in his different stories are drastically different. William Shakespeare is responsible for introducing 1700 words into our vocabulary. William Shakespeare was not a real person. He was a group of individuals ran by Sir Francis Bacon, a known occultist who had an agenda. He had an agenda to normalize witchcraft into our everyday speech. Speaking of normalizing things, what do you think Hollywood is? Hollywood is the wood that witches and wizards use to craft their wands and stabs out of. It's a derivative of Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood. It's an extension of witchcraft. And to this day, it continues to craft our language even further. The Hollywood viewing point is marked with a blood drop. Wow. And people still think it's a conspiracy. Yeah, that's interesting. That is very interesting. Yeah, Oscar was just putting right here in the chat a little bit of a um, little bit of a kind of an example of that. He was saying parking on the driveway and driving on the parkway. Figure that one out. You know, that's the kind of crap that I think this guy was alluding to. Very, very interesting, which is why I was, I'm starting to, I'm going to, if I'm thinking about it, I'm going to start posting definitions of different words that I think about. Today, I posted a few words. Let me read them to you. This is very interesting. Uh, let me find them here. So the first one was, um, and, and there's a reason I picked this word because we were talking about custody, custody about, you know, uh, of, you know, um, of a trust or, or, you know, silver, you know, which backs a trust. And uh, a friend of mine here in the assembly was telling me, you know, somebody should really look up that word custody. Uh, so I looked it up in the, you know, Noel Webster's 1828 dictionary. And it says right here, custody, it's a noun. Um, it's Latin uh, meaning a watchman or a keeper. Um, it also says see chaste, C-H-A-S-T-E. First definition though, it says a keeping. A guarding, care, watch, inspection, for keeping, preservation, or security. Um, and then it continues to read, under the custody and charge of the sons of uh, Merari shall be the boards of the tabernacle. And that is from Numbers chapter 3, verse 36. And then it also uh, the second definition right here is imprisonment, confinement, restraint of liberty. And third definition is defense from a foe, preservation, security. Now that was one word. The next word that I put down on here was hostage. 
Now, don't ask me where I came up with these words. All right. I just started thinking of them. Um, I would, I heard it in my head. I was like, well, let's look this one up. Now, this is very interesting. Hostage. Again, from the 1828 Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it's a noun, a person delivered to an enemy or a hostile power. As Now, this is what got me. Obviously, we all heard of hostage situations, right? Uh, we, we have an idea of what a hostage is, but I was curious of the official definition. So it continues to say, uh, I'll just start from the top again. A person delivered to an enemy or hostile power as a pledge to secure the performance of the conditions of a treaty or stipulations of any kind and on the performance of which the person is to be released. I just found that very interesting how they use the word treaty in there. And then the last word, and and the reason I found that interesting is because, again, if you go back to 1213, right, the Treaty of Verona, of 1213 AD, right, by the Vatican, which, you know, the Pope laid claim to all the souls and land around the world. Again, holding us hostage, I find that very interesting. See, you see how words very much matter. I've gotten away from doing like word of the day, but I think I might kind of get back to maybe reading a word or two here and there as I think about it. Or maybe if you guys think of a word, you could put it in the chat and I'll look it up. Now, the third word was covenant. I was just curious what it said. I looked up covenant. Again, also a noun um, meaning to come a coming together, a meeting, or agreement of minds. Now, first definition, a mutual consent or agreement of two or more persons to do or to forbear some act or thing, a contract, a stipulation. A covenant is created by deed and writing, sealed and executed, or it may be implied in the contract. A definition two: a writing containing the terms of agreement or contract between parties, or the clause of agreement in a deed containing uh, uh, containing the covenant. And then definition three: in theology, the covenant of works is that implied in the commands, prohibitions, and promises of God, the promises of God to man that man's perfect obedience should entitle him to happiness. This do and live, that do and die. The covenant of redemption is the mutual agreement between the Father and Son respecting the redemption of sinners by Christ. Now, um, I don't have it up, but you know what? I'll pull it up anyway since Oscar put it here in the chat. He put he threw out the word fidelity. So let me type this in 1828 Webster's Dictionary real quick because these were screenshots I was reading. Let me just go to the website. And keep in mind with the website, just FYI, same thing with etymology online. You'll find something sometimes different depending on the word online versus what's in the actual hard cover of the book because they're trying to change history digitally online. All right. So fidelity, F-I-D-E-L-I-T-Y. Fidelity is what he put in the chat here. Let's look that up. Fidelity, a noun. Um, First definition is four of them. First definition, faithfulness careful and exact observance of duty or performance of obligations. We expect fidelity in a public minister, in an agent or trustee, in a domestic servant, in a friend. I love that. In an agent or trustee. That's a very important word people need to remember. A trustee shows fidelity to country. People need to remember that. Definition number two, firm adherence to a person or party with which one is united or to which one is bound, loyalty as the fidelity of subjects to their king or government, the fidelity of a tenant or a liege to his lord. Definition three, observant of the marriage covenant as the fidelity of a wife or husband. And definition four, honesty veracity, adherence to truth as the fidelity of a witness. That was a good word. 
And so that's what we're going to do, I think, going forward, time permitting, of course, that varies from show to show. Is we're going to kind of, you know, we'll, we'll grab a couple words that are on people's minds and we'll look them up in the Noah, Webster, Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Because, again, words matter, ladies and gentlemen. And based on what I just kind of heard there in that video with, you know, the English language being kind of almost like a, you know, a, a satanic uh, control mechanism because, it you know, of where it was derived from. I mean, it's no wonder how old English is probably, that's the reason why we go back to the Bible of the 18, you know, the 1599 Geneva Bible and the King James Bible, because again, it's old English, not this new translation, you know, garbage out here. Again, yeah, I, it's it's easier to read, you know, the, the you know, like my New American Bible Revised Edition compared to King James Version or the Geneva 1599. Um, and again, that all probably comes with practice, right, and repetition, but um, there's probably a reason why there's old English and then there's this new garbage here called, you know, the new English, right? So anyway, very interesting stuff. Well, I can't wait to get into further discussions and topics about these kind of things. But I think also, too, what I'm thinking about doing is as we continue to have more guests on the show from other assemblies, I'd like to have other perspectives, kind of have more educational um, discussion is more of a dialogue rather than me just talking to a mic, discussing the history of where we came from, starting all the way back from 1213, right? Maybe going over the compendium of America's history, but in a dialogue fashion, because as more and more people start discovering this podcast, I was discovering in yesterday's chat that people are new and they go to the national-assembly.net website, they read the material, but then they say, well, it's way over our head. So I think maybe what we need to do is start going back to basics on these shows, but having more dialogue type of discussions with other assembly members who have been studying like Oscar, like Josh, like Bill from Missouri. Those three men are from the Missouri General General Assembly. Um, like, uh, you know, Destry. I like to have Destry on here. I have to, you know, compose a show on a Saturday. So his schedule will line up with me, you know, with mine. Um, People like Brock and uh, Wisconsin Annie, they seem to be very well versed in what's, you know, what the history is and and still learning. And as more people start sprouting up and start learning and doing the education thing, Lisa from Georgia, that's another one. Right. And others. We need to start having discussions about the grand jury and our history and why we are assembling and what happened with General Douglas MacArthur with the Restore America plan and Operation Blue Book. Right explaining what that's all about going back and kind of starting to bring up conversations and topics about the 2000-25 uh field training manual that was released by the war department right that was released to the army and what that is and what that means we need to start getting back to um we need to start getting back to the basics and, and discussing and having these topics of discussion for newcomers right and and keep it simple so people don't feel overwhelmed and, 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 you know, uh, like this stuff is over their head. Okay. So let's get to a prayer and then we're going to close this out. So heavenly father, we thank you so very much for yet another day of life and good health. And we say thank you for our families and, um, for the gift of work and the, you know, giving us the ability to earn a living so we can take care of our families as well as those around us that you call us to help and, and be generous to. Uh, we thank you for another beautiful day. If it's raining in a different part of the world for somebody, we thank you for that rain. No matter what the weather is, we know it's a blessing because it all it's all part of your perfect structure that you created here on earth, Father. And we, we appreciate it no matter what it is. Cold, heat, rain, sunshine, whatever. We are grateful for it all. And we thank you for companionship and friends. And we just ask that you continuously give us the courage and the strength to keep forging forward in this fight here on earth. And we will continuously work on your behalf. Just keep shining the light on the path that you need us to be on. And we will do our best to stay on path. And if we veer off path by accident, please shepherd us back on, keep us on the straight and narrow. And we pray all of this in your Holy son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. So that is all I have for today. Remember, today's going to be a one-show podcast. Um, tomorrow, let's see, tomorrow's Wednesday. Tomorrow will be an earlier podcast. I'll start at like 6.30, and then I'm going to promptly end at like 7 because I'm going to be on that second education call uh, that George is doing. So 
Tomorrow will also be a one podcast show, but it'll start at 6.30 tomorrow. Not 3.30, but 6.30, okay? All right, ladies and gentlemen, remember we're firm, we're steadfast, and we're uncompromising as hardliners, okay? We do not bow down to the enemy. We do not compromise with the enemy, and we do not negotiate with these demons. That's not what we do. We stand firm against them. We hold the line, and we keep shining the light for others so they can follow the path that we're on. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be back tomorrow. And suddenly, a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him. Lord, save us. We perish. Why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds in the sea. And there was a great calm. So the men marveled. Who can this be that even the winds in the sea obey him?